This is John Byrne, the lead pastor here at Grace Fellowship, and this is the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, recorded deep in the depths of the Grace Fellowship basement here in Lakewood, Colorado. We dive a little deeper into Sunday sermon. I'm Johnny McCloskey, and I'll be your host on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast. Welcome back to the Grace Deep Dive Podcast. This is Johnny and John uh, hanging out in the basements of our great, glorious church. <laughs> That's right. And it's a beautiful uh, summer day. I think officially not quite summer, late we should spring. Re- we should record it outside. Yeah. We should try that sometime. Yeah. yeah. Although we'd have cars driving by. And, and I, yeah. And I'm, I'm a light sensitive. I'm uh, <laughs> fair skinned. <laughs> so it definitely... Have to be in the shade for sure. Is there sure. anything, Johnny, you're not sensitive about? I'm just, you know. There, no, I'm pretty, okay. you know, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty <laughs> sensitive, sensitive guy. You know, so. speaking of sensitive, I, uh, the morning you put up on the, on the, on the Instagram yeah. page, something about for the, a funny father or dad joke, swipe left or something like yeah. that. And so I was looking at that and I went to swipe left and apparently I don't know which way left and right Did is. Did you, you swipe, swipe right? I swiped, I guess, right. What happened? Uh, the camera popped up and it showed, <laughs> showed me sitting there and I thought it was just some funny so joke. So that was like a bad, bad dad yeah, joke. Yeah, like here's the bad dad joke. Oh, it's you. I should, I should, maybe I should have done that. That would have been funny. Yeah, but I didn't, I didn't, well, yeah, I didn't, um, For it was bad, more of bad a joke, dumb, swipe right and then the camera comes up. Yeah. That's great. That's kind of what happened. But uh, next it was time. just next more year. me not knowing which way to swipe, which <laughs> which thankfully I don't date because I guess there is that app where you swipe left or right if you like the person or not. <laughs> You'd be liking all the wrong I'd people. I'd be liking all the wrong people. So uh, uh, speaking Kelsey, of, Kelsey might be a little upset with that too. So this is good. No, no, I didn't date. swipe. I swiped the r- correct direction. No, no, I Kelsey. mean, if, yeah, if, yeah. You were, if you were dating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thankfully. Yes, yeah. thankfully I'm not dating. But uh, <laughs> speaking, you know, the, the title of the sermon this week was Losing is Winning and Forgiving is Life. Yeah. And we have a forgiveness issue to address before we get we started. Do. Yes, and it's not necessarily any person. Okay. It's more of a uh, an impersonal thing. It's our computer. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And oh, we, yes. Yeah, so we got a new computer because just... The other one couldn't do certain things. Right. However, this new computer can't do what the old computer used to do, which is record a sermon. <laughs> which is, well, that's not exactly true. I mean, well, it, it did record, a, it, we've been using it for, for a little while and it's, and it's been recording sermons, but uh, this past week it did not. Yes. So, somehow a setting got changed. We're not exactly sure how. We don't know. Maybe. And, and, and there are some issues with how the soundboard sends a signal and how the computer receives signal and yeah so you know it's but bottom line is we forgive we forgive our computer yeah and there, there's a there's a video recording but there's no audio yeah that's right the, yeah the, or not it's not really video but the slides you know like if you go to our website and you click on it it shows the slides as they come up yeah let so them, you can go i could just put up there it'd be silent but the slides would come yeah, up I every think, i think the, the audience <laughs> 10 are, minutes or something i think i think the people should uh, <laughs> put in whatever they think you said yeah <laughs> that would be that would be uh, this is the sermon that you know you can interpret however you wish or exactly. You, you write your own sermon. That'd do your own great. voiceover. Yeah. Choose your own adventure. <laughs> yeah. This, do you remember that? Did you have those books, John? If there, you read to the end of a chapter and it gave you options, like you go to different chapters and choose how the story went. Did you ever? I know of which you speak, John, but uh, I'm I don't read anything if there's no pictures involved. So <laughs> I'm just about comic books and yeah. So if there's this just is true actually. If there's just words, Comic Con. Yeah. I need I need pictures. So um, yeah. So we're in our new life series. It's going pretty great um and you actually you know talked about you know forgiveness and and submission and all that kind of stuff yep talked a little bit about legalism yep and this is something that i've struggled with in my own life not necessarily with other people 
but with my own, just the attitudes my own, and yeah, just in my own relationship with God, my father, you know, it was father's day too. I don't know if you, if you it was father's yeah, day. So, so, so I, that's why the bad, bad dad, the joke. bad dad. Yes. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I struggle with that, with legalism, with, with God, my father, you know, and what could you kind of define legalism for us? Yeah, I mean, legalism is one of those things. We like to throw the term around, right? Like, oh, they're legalistic and stuff like that. And, and sometimes we we throw that term around in a way that's um, not appropriate, right? Like, just because people have standards doesn't make them legalistic. Or just because people say, hey, we should be obedient to God, that doesn't make them legalistic, right? I think what makes a, a person legalistic is a is is demanding obedience without there being grace and forgiveness, when, when somebody doesn't, you know, obedience to God. And so, and so somebody, somebody falls short of obedience to God or is perceived of falling short. Cause that often, often happens with very legalistic people too. Right. So they, they have a, a way of looking at things and they take, maybe they even take scripture and they, they do what's called eisegesis, which is put their own meaning in the text instead of allowing the text to communicate what it means. And so, so kind of fill in your own sermon. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of fill in your yeah. own sermon. And so they, and so they kind of go, you know, have these standards or whatever that are really more man-made than, than scripture. And, and then they demand that everybody else, um, abide by those. That's a form of legalism. I think legalism could take some different forms, but, but essentially it's always without grace and kindness and forgiveness. Right. Mm. And so, and so legalism lacks those things. Um, and usually, uh, the people who tend to be legalistic are often the ones who very much need, need grace. And as a matter of fact, I would say every time they, they need grace as well and forgiveness. And so, um, and, and maybe haven't experienced it. And that might be part of the reason for their legalism, that they haven't experienced an appropriate um, application of, of, of God's grace and forgiveness and kindness. Yeah. And it's not like you need to feel a little bit sorry for them in some ways, and even sorry for myself, because I think that's an area that I struggle with is the fact that I know what, how I'm supposed to live. Yeah. And I know I come up short. Yeah. And I always have a hard time receiving grace. And we'll talk a little bit later about how God is, his attributes are, you know, gracious, loving, just. Right. God, Righteous God, and holy. Yeah, wrath. He hates sin and all that kind of stuff. So it's really hard to marry all those things together. Yes. I think sometimes we can do it poorly. We can go to either end. But Exactly right. But for me personally, when I come up short, it's so hard for me to receive that grace. And then when I can't receive that grace, I can't give that grace. That's right. Even though I tend to do better with giving grace to others, yeah. um, I struggle a lot with giving it to myself. So yeah. um, maybe that's kind of our segue into the next question, which... God being just and, and holy and righteous and all these things. And you look at, yeah, and we talked about this before, but you have the Old Testament God who seemed different than the New Testament. Seemed. I know you're, sh- you're kind of shaking. Ro- you can't tell he's rolling his eyes. He's shaking his head. <laughs> but, you know, people always say that. And, yeah, and I people can, do say I, that. I see why they say that. God seemed more um, focused on his holiness and, and his justice. And this is how you need to live, which is the whole point was to point us to Christ. Right. Christ. That's, you know, the main point of that. But we see these two, almost two different pictures of who God is. But really what we're saying is God is all of those things. That's right. And he's perfectly married. It's perfectly married together. But that's right. how do we justify that, reconcile that in our minds? Yeah, I think that's really important, Johnny. And it's a super important question. And, and, and it's really unfortunate that people view the Old Testament in that way. Um, and I know they do. And you're, you're absolutely right. And people say that all the time. Um, you know, well, that's the Old Testament, not the new. And they, they have these ways, you know. Uh, my, to my dispensational friends. And if you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. But, you know, they, which, which have kind of a way of portraying God's grace, uh, in the old Testament that I, I think is, um, 
I think is inappropriate. I don't think that's what scripture actually teaches. I think if you read the Old Testament, is there God's judgment? Yes. Is there God's grace? Yes. It shows God's grace shows in the Old Testament a lot. Almost actually. more so. Seems, Almost, not, yeah. not, not more so, but it seems like, I mean, he really yeah. gives them, you know, he sacrificed. Okay, we're good. Oh, yeah. But. Well, and, and God repeatedly um, comes back to Israel and, 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 you know, uh, provides judges or uh, leaders to help them. Uh, you know, overcome oppression and things like that. And, and even though they're, even though they're, those things are the result of their own sin. And so God continuously extends the nation of Israel a grace. Um, he shows David grace. He shows, I mean, you can go through the list. There's lots of grace and kindness in the Old Testament from God. Um, people just don't see it because they see these other things and it kind of obstructs their view a little bit um, because of how they see scripture and how they've been often taught scripture, which is not maybe not as much as their own fault as, as it is some preacher teacher along the way. But 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 there's God's grace is, is in the Old Testament and God's judgment is in the New Testament. I mean, have you have you read Revelation? You know, I mean, that's that's there's some judgment there, significant judgment. Have you read how Jesus treats the Pharisees, calls them whitewashed tombs? There's judgment there, right? So there's plenty of judgment in the New Testament, and there's plenty plenty of God's grace and kindness in the Old Testament. And when we we make these distinctions, they're false distinctions. We see both of those things in in both the old covenant and the new covenant, or the old testament and the new testament, new testament. And that's super important because what that communicates to us is that God is all those things. God um, has wrath towards sin and even towards the person who commits it, right? He's angry um, at them for their the sin that they have committed. They've done that and he's angry, but he's, he also provides ways of satisfying his justice and his righteous wrath. Right. And that ultimately is found in Jesus Christ. And so so God's grace and God's kindness and God's love shows in the person of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. But he doesn't relinquish a righteous wrath and a holiness and a justice that remains intact. And that is why the sacrifice of Jesus was required. If God relinquished those things, cast those things aside, then there's no reason for Jesus to go to the cross and it becomes cosmic child abuse. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's it would be a horrible thing. If Jesus' death on the cross meant nothing, that would be terrible. But it, but that's not the way it is. And we want a just God, and we want a holy God, and we want a righteous God. Um, but but we tend to focus on His love and His kindness because we 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 think we want those things more than the other. But really, we want God to be all of those things, and He is in fullness, not in part. And He's fully righteous, fully just. He's full, fully merciful, and fully graceful and all these things, right? He ha- he embodies all of those things perfectly and completely. And, and, and those things, as you put it, are married together. And without justice, we don't need grace. Yeah. Right. And without, you know, and within, without grace, only justice and righteousness prevails. And then we're all condemned to hell. Right. So God provides a way through Jesus Christ. And so in that, all of those things are satisfied. Yeah. I think the key word I think you just said was perfectly yeah. You know, I think for, you know, God is, he's the, he's able to do those things yes. perfectly. And and I think what's hard for us is we try to, you know, there's moments where I try to be just, or I try to even live holy, or yeah. I try to be righteous or merciful, you know, gracious, but even there's sometimes one of them gets out of whack. Exactly. And I don't know how to do it perfectly. And that's what's, it's so hard for, you know, for us to kind of understand who God is because he does He's the perfect father. Right. You know, we talk about fathers. He's the perfect father. He's yeah. the perfect savior. He's the perfect everything. And and we don't really have that example 
in our lives. You not, know? not in a physical standing in exactly. front of me sense. Yes. And we don't get to see that. Yeah. Um, but so it's really hard to grasp that sometimes. It's, it, it is. It's very hard to grasp. And, and you know, we it's unfortunate sometimes and sometimes it's good. But, you know, we often perceive God in the way we perceive our fathers. And, and so that can be um, challenging at times because our perception of our father sometimes isn't very good and our fathers sometimes aren't very good. Mm-hmm. And so, and so we have a, we, we tend to view God the way we view our fathers and, and that's, you know, instead what we ought to do is say, well, God's the perfect father that mine wasn't. Yeah. And that's kind of what I did. And, and, you know, we talked about how you know, that's what I did in the sense of, you know, I love my daddies, yeah, you know, course. but he's, you know, he has his issues. We all struggle. All our dads have issues. Man. Yeah. But I would always look to the father, the heavenly father, right. My the father, father, the fatherless. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, speaking of that, so father's day was this yeah. weekend. We yeah. talked about that. Not all of us have had great fathers. Yeah. And you talked about forgiveness is important. We need yeah. to forgive yeah. all that kind of stuff. Why is it important that we forgive our fathers when they, when they come short, when they yeah. fall short. Well, I think there's a, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, because, because in a lot of ways, my, my father was an absentee father growing up, right? Like he wasn't there. Um, and maybe that's better than some, right. Who have abusive fathers or things like that. But, um, but he wasn't, he wasn't there and I had uh, stepdads and, and, uh, they weren't always great either. And, um, you know, sometimes they were great, but you know, I, I, I just think it's important for us to recognize that God is the perfect father, um, that our fathers are not. And guess what? If you're a dad, you're not either. Right. And so I, I always pray, you know, I, I tell people, you know, I always pray for my kids because I, I, I just imagine what they're telling some therapist, you know, 10 years down the road about their dad, right? Like, Oh, my dad, this, and my dad, that. And, and, you know, I, I do the best I can. I try to be a godly father, but I failed sometimes. Um, and probably more often than I even realize. And so I, I, I think there's a couple of things that we need to realize is that one, um, we, we need to recognize that our fathers have, have history too. They had fathers and I, I don't know what my dad's dad was like. I don't know how he raised him. Um, you know, I don't know the things that he had to overcome and deal with in his life. I don't know all the details of those things. And so a lot of times I, you know, I grant forgiveness for his absenteeism and, and things like that. And, and I do that in part. And what helps me is I I just recognize that number one, I'm not, I'm not the perfect father. And number two, I don't know his, his baggage. You know, my, my assumption is he did the best he could with the tools he had and maybe he had bad tools. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, we need to forgive our dads and sometimes it's really, really difficult. And sometimes our dads have been abusive. That doesn't mean we should put ourselves in a place where we can be continually abused or, or something like that. But it does mean that we can, we can extend forgiveness and grace and kindness um, to somebody who is undeserving because that's why it's called grace and mercy, right? Is because it's undeserved. Mm. And so, um, so forgiveness is about is never about what is deserved, but it is about what's given. And so we can give those things, and we ought to with our dads for sure. That's a, even going back. That's kind of the confusing thing that we're talking about is it's the justice is towards a, maybe an early father has failed. There's like justice towards that. Yeah. But then that forgiveness comes in and says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. Right. That's the confusing thing. It's like, exactly. how does God balance that? But he does it so yeah. well, especially in the, in the person, of course, of Jesus. But yeah. Um, yeah. The, the father thing is a, is a tough situation. And I know not forgiving is, you know, I, you see that a lot where people won't just don't forgive and they yeah. hold on to that grudge. And I know 
you know, I know there's times in my life where I, where I won't forgive and I hold on to that grudge. Right. And, but and, and who ends up more hurt in the end? You it do. really is. Yeah. I mean, it really does because I, I've had those situations. I think that the hardest part, and you kind of mentioned this and I was talking to somebody on Sunday actually, and the hardest part about forgiveness a lot of times is people think they have to forgive and then forget right away. Right. And go back into that situation. Right. And the reality is, is there's forgiveness, but you, there's also boundaries. Exactly. And and it's also, you need to earn trust and, and it's okay to say, I forgive you and I love you, but I can't allow this right now. And so you can figure this thing out, you know, then we need those boundaries. We, We need boundaries in our lives and healthy boundaries to protect ourselves. And that's fine. We teach our kids this all the time, right? Like, you know, you know, don't talk to strangers, don't accept candy from, you know, like, yeah, those are boundaries because, because we don't know the people and we, we don't know how to trust them. Unfortunately, it's really easy to forgive somebody we don't know very well, as opposed to somebody who we knew really well and hurt us. Right. And so that, that it's, it's much more difficult when it's personal and, and it's close, but, um, but nevertheless, we we're, we're to do it right. 70 times seven, right. That's what Jesus told the disciples. Mm-hmm. Hey man, you know how they ask, how often should I forgive? 70 times seven, right. It's, it's not a one-time thing. It's a, it's a multitude of times. And, um, and we need to remember that. And then again, we can have boundaries and still forgive. Yeah. But it's always in our best interest. And it's honestly, and it's in their best interest too. Well, and that was, that was the point on Sunday, right? There were three things, right? Um, it's easier to condemn than forgive, right? Number one. Number two, forgiveness is for the benefit of the forgiven. And, and number three was it's for the benefit of the forgiver. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, it's, it's all, all the way around. Um, it's for both sides. And then that's super, super important because you become bitter and angry and all those things. Um, when you hang on to those grudges or those, or those things that you refuse to forgive, you know, it sounds like following Christ is a, it's a hard thing because it doesn't go naturally. And you know, when God tells us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us and right. forgive our fathers and, and forgive those who have sinned against us and, right. and repent of our sins and stop doing this or yes. that, it's really hard. And it's almost like we're supposed to be submissing, submiss, submissing, submissing. You just, that's a, you, you turned a, uh, adjective submiss- into a verb. What did you do? I don't know what I just did. I think I'm, it's almost like we need to submit. Yes. There you go. There <laughs> you go. The verb. We, there it is. Submit to Christ because it's not natural. Exactly. Um, you know, you talked about how, and this is, I kind of, I don't know if I wasn't paying attention, but I, I got, I was a little confused on you. You talked about how Christ, we lose to Christ, but we end ultimately end up winning because we've lost to Christ. Right. What does that mean, losing to Christ? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think we, you know, I talked about kingdom upside down, or, or you know, kind of thing, which is um, actually a song from a, from a Christian artist way back in the day. He had this song called Kingdom Upside Down, and he wasn't very well known, but um, but it just that that song stuck with my head, and so that's where that phrase comes from. But um, the kingdom upside down. And, and so, you know, Jesus talks about take up your cross and follow me, right? He was first is last. He was last is first, right? All these things. And so it's everything's, God's economy is counterintuitive. It, it, it seems backwards to us because we want, we want to win. We think it's about winning, and especially in America. That's a, that's the way we go about things, right? We got to win, you know, that whole deal. And um, always cheering for the underdog to win and all that kind of stuff. And, and what we have in the text is Paul describes it is we have this instance and, and kings and generals used to do this. They go out to battle and war, right? They come back, they would have their captives, um, 
in tow, if you will, some of them anyways, and it would be like a parade. And basically these captives would, would be kind of like their trophies. Now, in a lot of those situations, they would actually lead them and, and if not all of them, but at least a representation of them and they would, they would kill them. It, it was, it was a way of showing dominance and that we are the dominant power. Um, and therefore, you know, you're on the winning team. It's like, it's like being, it's like being a Patriots fan, right? Like, you know, <laughs> like we, they just buy a team or a Yankees fan. We'll use that. It's even better. Yankees just buy a team every year. You know, it's a, it's a new team. They just pay a bunch of big salaries and, and, and win. And, and it sounds, it sounds, it sounds great in some ways because people go, well, our team wins. Right. And so they become, um, supportive of that team because they like, like to win. Um, but what Jesus does is a little bit different, right? He, Paul takes that picture and he applies it to us. And in a very real sense, um, it's not so much that Jesus is going to crucify us at the end, right? Or, or, or kill us in some way, in some spectacle. He's not going to do that. That's not the point. The point is for him to look and say, look, here are my trophies, in the same way that, that that general might go, look, here are my captives. Look how great I am. Jesus is saying, here are, here are my captives, but my captives I've redeemed, right? I've, I've actually done the opposite. I, I haven't, I'm not going to kill them. Rather, they have new life. And because of that, uh, you can see the work of God in them, the redemptive power of the gospel that has been manifested in their lives. And, and, and he, he's basically pointing to them and say, they're my captives, not because I've conquered them, but because they've become willingly, willingly submissive uh, to me because of the cross. Right. And so there's this sense of him going, look how great. I am, which he can, he can do that. We don't get to do that because we're not great. He is great. Right. And so legitimately is great. Yeah. He legitimately is, is that. So when he does it and, and, and shows his glory, but notice it's not his glory, um, in, in, in a braggadocious way, but it's actually a, his glory in a, in a, in a look at the re, look at the redemption that's taken place. Let them speak look at for the, me. Yeah. Let them, let, let, let the power of God that is, that is influenced our lives, the spirit of God that has, empowered them to live new lives. Let that speak for me. Mm. And, um, I, I think it's a beautiful picture in a lot of ways of, of, of how, when we submit to Jesus Christ, we end up, we end up being victorious in, in the sense of God going, going, look, here's my trophy, but they're coming along with me. Yeah. So it's, he kind of takes that and flips it a little bit. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, if I can think of two pictures in my head, it's like the first set of captives, uh, captives would be remorseful. Yeah. sorrowful, beaten down. Uh, they know they're hopeless. They have no, they're in despair. They know, like you said, they're probably going to die. Um, they're being humiliated. Then it's, you get this other picture where this, these new captives are behind their, their conquering king yep. and they're singing and they're dancing and people yeah. are watching this going, what What's is going, going on? This Why is are down. they doing this? Yeah. Countercultural. Don't man. you understand that you have been, you know, taken over? Don't you understand that you have been defeated? Right. Don't you understand? And they go say, no, I was defeated by sin. I was captive to sin and he came and he set me free. And now yeah. I have a new king. I have a new, a new one I'm going to follow. And I think that's, you know, even when, you know, as we kind of wrap this up, that submission piece, following a king, putting him on his throne in your life, that is so hard to do on a daily basis. I mean, there's so many distractions. There's so many little idols that begin to creep up and, right. and take over. Right. John, how do we keep Christ on the throne? I mean, <laughs> gosh, it's so hard to do. It is. Um, how, how do we uh, 
beat ourselves down to lift Christ up. You know, how do we do those things? Yeah. I mean, well, I think Hebrews 12, the opening verses in Hebrews chapter 12, give us some, some insight to that, right? Where and an author of Hebrews, the pastor, if you will, kind of talks about this idea of casting off the sin and keeping our eyes focused on Jesus, who is, is the perfecter of our faith. And so, or, or pioneer of our faith, depending on what version you read. And, and so there's this idea of, of constantly battling sin, but it's, it, the way we do that is by keeping our eyes on Jesus, right? And that's why we talk about, you know, the, in the church, we talk about reading scripture regularly, praying regularly, those kinds of things. Why? Because it helps us keep our eyes on Jesus, right? He who is the logos or the word, that's the logos is a Greek uh, word, for the word word, for the English word word. And, but Jesus is literally the logos and that's what scripture presents to us. It presents to us the person of Jesus. And he, as the author of Hebrews puts it, perfects our faith. And so when we can keep our eyes on him, that's how we throw off, can cast off sin, right? And it creeps up. We get our eyes, we get distracted, you know, what's uh, is it that dog, Doug or whatever? Squirrel. Is that, oh, yeah, is squirrel, that dog? Yeah. Yeah. Squirrel. And you kind of get distracted, right? That happens. But the, all right, adjust your gaze, get it back to Jesus, right? Constantly renewing day by day, um, our faith in Jesus Christ. Not that we need new faith to be, have, have a new salvation. Once saved, uh, you know, eternity starts, salvation starts at that point and lasts for eternity. But, but the point is that we continually adjust our gaze so that it's continually coming back to Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith. And we're continually casting off that sin and experiencing redemption and new life mm-hmm. in Christ. And in that sense, we, we become victorious. Well, John, it talks about in, in scripture that we'll always have a master. Yeah, that's right. And I think my, and it's thing, not you. Yeah. And that's the thing is that in, the, in reality, so yeah, it's either going to be sin, right? Or it's going to be... And Paul talks, uses that very same language in, in Romans 7. Or it's going to be the Father, right? But I right. think what we want is we want a world where we are our masters. Not sin, you know, and maybe not God sometimes, but we want to try to rule ourselves. Is that even possible? What? Being our own masters. No. Not, not under the, the slavery of sin or... or following, you know, Christ and his, you know, we, yeah. can we live our own lives? We, we really can't. And this is what, this is what, this, this gets sticky because people, what about free will? And then you go, okay, I believe in free will. Absolutely. hundred percent. I believe in a free will that has been infected by sin. That's what I believe in. That's what, that's what, you know, some of the, some of the hardcore Calvinists and the, you know, reformed people, like they get, they get all excited about this, but Honestly, like you go back and read John Calvin, who was a great reformer and, you know, back in the, um, in the 1500s and, and he, uh, is that the, uh, the guy with the tiger? The Cal- guy with the tiger? Calvin what are you talking about? Oh, Calvin and Hobbes. Oh my gosh. Is that the great theologian? I yeah. love that. You're yeah. fired. Sorry, Just go kidding. ahead. Keep going. Uh, anyways, uh, but you know, but even if you go back and read even him, he believed that there was free will. Of course there's free will, but it's harmed by sin. And so we want the very thing that's the worst for us. And so, and so we end up in this situation, we can worship ourselves, but really we end up worshiping, worshiping. And when we do that, we end up worshiping a fallen creature. And that leads us to other things to the worship of material possessions or the worship of even the worship of, dare I say it, a social justice cause like, you know. And I'm all for social justice and, and, and those kinds of things as far as that goes. You know, that's another conversation. But, 
but we can worship that cause as opposed to the creator of the universe, right? And we live in a fallen world. The poor will always be with us until Jesus returns. The, you know, that, that's just the way it's going to be. Should we fight poverty? Yes. Are we going to be successful? Not 100% until Jesus comes. No. But we can make dents. We can see the kingdom of God breaking into the here and now at times. And, and we, shall, we should fight for that, pray for that, all those things. But Sin will continue to be in our lives. And, and, and even when we try to put ourselves on the throne, if, even if we were to succeed, we would be putting a fallen person on the throne, a sinner on the throne, and, there were, and we would be mastered by sin. Hmm. So, yeah, it sounds like so that there, you really you have two choices. You're yeah, either going to worship creation and, and sin and, right. and a fallen, a, one, right? a broken world yeah. or, a, or a broken self. Yep, and you're gonna do everything you can to try to make it as nice as possible, or polish it up as well as you can. But it will always be a fallen idol. Yeah, we or, can we confuse the creation for the creator. That's what Romans. Or you worship about. the creator. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you submit to him. I mean, either way, you're gonna be submitting to something. That's right. Submitting to the things of the world or the creator of the world. Yep. Um, John, any any uh, additional resources as we? kind of wrap up yeah i think you know a lot of people really struggle with this idea of forgiveness and i think uh you know there's some different resources out there um you know charles stanley not andy stanley but charles stanley stanley wrote a good a good book about forgiveness but the resource i'd recommend is this 40 days to total forgiveness um by rt kendall and i think it's a good kind of you know you take a 40 days and you work your way work your way through it and read readings in those 40 days and things like that and uh and i think that could be uh, very helpful for someone who's struggling with forgiveness so, John, what's the uh, the big takeaway this week? The big takeaway is this. Forgiveness leads to victory in Christ, and submission to Christ leads to life in Christ. Thank you for joining us on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, where we believe in real grace for real living. We'll see you next week.